To become a sustainable community in the event of a prolonged collapse SHTF scenario, you've got to have the goodwill and help of others in the community. When disaster strikes, will you be prepared? This is Prepping 2.0 with authors and prepping experts, Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. Online at prepping2-0.com. Get ready. Prepping 2.0 coming in 3, 2, 1. Welcome, everyone. This is Shelby Gallagher over here at Prepping 2.0, joined by my partner in life and partner here on the show, Glenn Tate. Glenn, how's it going? Good. How are you, dear? Just peachy. I don't know if people know this, but we're married and stuff. Yeah, and stuff. Yeah. It's a thing. I'm not saying the fire's gone, but we did just say we're married and stuff. Yeah, kind of like, we're good. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, good. We're you know. pretty solid in how we... No, uh, I think we're good. Yeah, we're, I think we're, we're good. good. Well, as usual, we talk about the top 100 things that go the quickest in a collapse. There's a list on our website, prepping2-0.com. It's on the homepage that has this list. We're up to number 96. We're going to have to recycle and go through them from the beginning. There's so many good things on this list. Number 96... Oh, and this is from uh, Bosnia survivors and Argentine survivors of their collapses. So they, they know what they're talking about. They observed what went the fastest. Well, and folks can find this list because these days it's a shopping list. It is a shopping list. On our website. Prepping Put little two. boxes by each number Seriously. for a little check mark. So, and there are affiliate links in that list, too. A oh, few. Okay. Uh, go to prepping2-0.com. It's in the lower right-hand corner. But what's number 96, Glenn? Glue, nails, nuts, bolts, and screws. One of those things that you just take for granted and then they're not there and it's a problem. I know this, that uh, in the old days, like Little House on the Prairie days, uh, back when I was a kid, Mm -hmm. um, sometimes people would have an old house and they would burn it down and then the nails and and the the fasteners would be what was left and they were that valuable that it was okay to burn a place down to get the fasteners and the screws and everything. There will be no Home Depot when it gets to a certain point of this whole thing. Yep. That's right. Well, lurkers. Lurkers come out of the shadows. What the heck does that mean? Well, if you listen to the regular show uh, on radio, uh, maybe like uh, KOFI in in St. Mary, um, Idaho. KHNC in Colorado. There you go. And several other stations. Or you listen on the interwebs or iTunes or whatever it may be, and you listen to the show and it ends at the regular, you know, the regular show ends at 52 minutes and you say, golly, they always talk about the after show being cool and all the stuff that happens in the after show. And you lurk in the shadows and you don't go and get the... And you wonder. And you wonder. And you don't go get the uh, after show. Well, you shouldn't deprive yourself of that and you shouldn't be in the shadows. You should become a Patreon. Just go to prepping2-0.com. There'll be a big orange Patreon button. Click on it, two bucks a month or other amounts. um, And you get all the after shows and all the other cool stuff that we're not going to go into all of it right now. But you get the after show. And today's after show is going to be pretty doggone good. So there's a reason for lurkers to come out of the shadow and I have a big announcement this is a big big to do big deal a big announcement maybe there are trumpet sounds I don't know I'm hearing them in my head so here's the big announcement after three years you've been waiting patiently everybody I wonder if people know we're gonna string it out would they know what it is I think they do once you've said it's been taking it's taken three years yeah and we've had a lot of hurdles Pam radio Prepper Amateur Radio, pam-radio.com, is a thing. It has happened. The flashcards are done. The flashcards are are being distributed now. And, super cool, there are free videos. There are seven videos, and you go to pam-radio.com, and you'll see the seven videos where I narrate all of the cards. Uh, You get to see the cards. These are flashcards for practical prepper amateur radio stuff. The stuff you really need to know, not the stuff that's on the FCC test. The stuff I've learned by trial and error. The stuff you need to know. It's like instant hour or two. How to get your comms up quickly. Turnkey drop water, you know, on it, and it reconstitutes as all your comms program. I'm very, very proud of this. It's been a lot of work. So, pam-radio.com, you'll see the seven videos up there. You watch the videos. It's the, the text is on the screen, and often a little box is me narrating and doing a little color commentary you're going to learn a ton about this here's why you should go to pam-radio.com and actually order it's 1599 $15.99 order the flashcards which will be downloaded and sent to you because the flashcards have all the links in there and there are a couple hundred links to stuff like this is the radio that you need in my opinion this is the antenna that works with it 
blah, blah, blah. Shelby, tell the story about why this product has not been available for the past oh, year. My this is a God thing. This God is a totally a God as usual thing. and did a good thing. If you listen to a show that, I don't know, month, month and a half ago, you will hear us just... We're so frustrated because we the original iteration of this was supposed to be um, an app on the Apple, Apple Store, I Store, whatever and, it is. Um, and Apple dragged their feet, and hmm. and it got to the point. To your credit, Glenn, you reached out to our web designer, who is a miracle worker, mm-hmm. and we decided to go. You and her, in particular, decided to go this different route. And I'm like, well, that's awesome. And now the we downloadable don't, cards the downloadable from the internet, blah blah blah, not relying on Apple and a phone app and exactly. all that stuff. And I'm and this is a God thing because with what's happened in the news in the last couple of weeks, I'm praising Jesus <laughs> yes. that uh, we don't have it in an app and we have it suddenly deplatformed or suddenly yeah. and not only that let's just be honest I'm not all that hip on giving Apple Apple our business or worse your business yet, worse yet exactly our listeners would go and order the Pam radio cards and a good chunk of their money would go to Apple who is doing terrible totalitarian things and yeah this is being carried on iTunes app and go ahead and deplatform us we don't care we're bigger than Apple you know uh, the downloads on that so anyway a God thing we were all frustrated again our human plans were oh we're going to put this on Apple why isn't that happening hey I'm really mad I'm really frustrated guess what guess who had a bigger plan yep. who's way smarter than you and me mm-hmm. so, so cool Pam Radio is a thing now love it share it your prepper group you should buy one your prepper group should get it or listen or watch the free videos Uh, that's fine too just get the information now is the time to get comms information it's game day you guys it's time to go and you need the info and let me just um put this out here too the link to if you're sitting oh my gosh there's so you got so many websites flashing through my brain right now because if you just go to prepping 2-0.com Oh yeah, I'm sure you uh, hit Pam Radio. And hit there it Pam is. Radio, and there you are. So there it is. Enough but, about Pam Radio. Oh my, my gosh! Dear. But just if you're in a car or something, just say a little praise Jesus for that. Mm-hmm. So one thing we want to just jump in here. We have a new sponsor. Yay! We're so excited for we those. Love that, this. If you go back a few weeks in our shows, we talked to Jared Savick, who is a realtor. He and his wife in the Kalispell area of one of Montana. They mm-hmm. have jumped right in and said, "You know what? We realize a lot of people are." moving a lot of your listeners are moving and uh they're preppers themselves and mm-hmm. they have a pretty good idea of what makes a good property for preppers they, they really specialize in That's relocating what they do, people yeah. from blue states to the great state of montana absolutely so whether you want a turnkey or to build your own retreat they have properties in town in kalispell out of town and even way out of town they can help you more than just in the montana area so listeners can uh contact them through their website love the name of their website and there's a phone number there feel free to call and text them um Seize the day MT. MT is the mail code for Montana. So seize the day Montana. If you also, if you just put seize the day Montana in a search engine, that'll get you there. Great folks over there. And I got to get them up on our website. So um, give me a few moments to get that, uh, you know, get that going with her. She's been a little busy. Yeah. So, our web oh designer. my goodness. So the other sponsor, always want to mention them EMP Shield. Uh, great! They've created that great device that you can hook into your home or your car that protects your home or your car from an EMP uh, or a coronal mass emission ejection. ejection. Dang I know you, I, you're you're brilliant, and but this this I've term created, is, is stumbling. I've, I've is created stumbling a, for you. An, a, muscle, a mental block. Wrong muscle memory is what I've created. Yeah. So regardless. It will protect your device, which is more important. Mm-hmm. Go to our website, uh, prepping2-0.com. Go to Friends and Affiliates. They have a link right there. Click on it. Use the term prepping 2.0. You'll get $50 off, which yeah. is a nice little... Yeah, each device. So feel free to use that. And yeah, thanks to Jared and thanks to EMP Shield for sponsoring Prepping 2.0. Well, now it's time to get to our guest. Our guest is Charlie Bravo. Not his real name. What? And Charlie Bravo is an experienced prepper. Uh, a friend of ours we've met him and spoke with him extensively and he is a member of the lds church and we're going to talk to him about the title of the show is uh mormons during the collapse myths and truths we're going to talk about some other topics too but before i introduce him i'm just going to let everybody know this is not a theology show we're not going to talk about that we're going to talk about stuff well first of all myths and stuff the lds church does and and when we myth bust some of the stuff they don't do and people need to understand 
a good chunk of the people around him, especially in the Western states, might be LDS members. And if you think they have horns and they're doing bad stuff and you got all these crazy thoughts in your head um, about how they're going to act during a collapse, then you're you're at a real disadvantage. You, you don't have accurate information. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to bust some myths. And with that, I say, welcome to the show, Mr. Charlie Bravo. Hello, Glenn and Shelby. Such an honor to be with you today. Great. Well, great. Well, thank you. Well, let's jump right into the questions because these are some things that are on a lot of people's minds. Uh, We're going to do four topics. LDS myth busting. We're going to talk about LDS disaster relief. Um, Blue staters adjusting to life in the red states, which isn't really an LDS topic. And then another just non-LDS topic, which is Charlie Bravo went to the Capitol and observed the protests and has some thoughts on that. When so, you say Capitol, we're not talking about no. the Capitol of Washington State or Florida. No, we're talking DC. about Washington, D.C. Okay. That's right. That's right. The 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 dude with the uh, Viking thing going on. Yeah. You know, oh, oh did he get an autograph? No, I'm kidding. Yeah, that's right. No, he didn't. So let's start off with uh, some LDS myths. And uh, oh, by the way, not like it matters, but we're just going to let anyone know in case they're wondering, Shelby and I are not members of the LDS church, but who really cares? Because this isn't about the LDS church. Mm -mm. It's about prepping. So um, the first myth I think people have is that LDS members pretty much live in Utah and that's it. Is that true, sir? Um, Absolutely not. In fact, we finally crossed the the border or the line of wherever uh, where there's actually more members of the church outside the U.S. now than there are in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Pacific Northwest has a, a quite a large concentration of, uh, of Latter-day Saints. There's, like in our region, um, our emergency communications region, there are 12 units, and those units have um, somewhere in the neighborhood of 10,000 people in each unit. So, you know, we're talking 120,000 just in the North Idaho, Spokane, Stevens County, uh, you know, basically from uh, Moscow or Lewiston to uh, to the Canadian border. Mm-hmm. That's right. And, and uh, yes, a lot of LDS folks live in Utah and um, Idaho, but it's it's not limited to that. And the point I make with that is that if you're listening in Iowa, just making up a state, picking one at random, the odds are there are quite a few LDS folks around you. You may not know because they don't walk up and go, hi, I'm a Latter-day Saint. What's your name? Right. I mean, so you may not know. And I just wanted people to know that um, uh, LDS church members are, are pretty well sprinkled throughout the country. Another myth. And this was one I kind of fell for. I ended up writing about it via a character in the 299 Days books, uh, an accountant who's uh, an LDS church member. There's this myth that all LDS church members are super well prepared. What's the deal with that? Well, um, you know, one of the things I need to preface with my remarks here is that I'm not speaking for the church. I'm just an individual member, a regular Joe. Great point. And um, so I'm not saying anything about official church policy, are commenting on that. Uh, Most of it's, you know, it's just going to be your average Joe uh, type thing. But as for all members being ultra well prepared, you know, as a church, we've been counseled by our leaders to have a supply of food and uh, avoid debt for over a hundred years. And that message kind of flies over you know, in one ear and out the ear, other for a lot of people these days. And uh, there was about 15% of the members of the church that actually have much in the way of storage at all. Hmm. And an even smaller percentage that goes, you know, more than three months. So, um, no, you can't assume that all Latter-day Saints are extremely well-prepared or are preppers. Just, just like you, well... It's a whole gamut, just like you would in any other church. You've got a whole range of the population of people that uh, mm-hmm. accept that type of thing really well, or um, they focus on other things. 
One of the reasons I wrote about the character, the uh, LDS accountant character in my books, first of all, he was kind of based on my real neighbor when I lived in Olympia, so it was easy to do. But one of the subtle points, I don't know how subtle it was I was making is, hey, everybody reading this, hey, preppers, don't assume that you know, the Mormon family that lives on your block is just got seven years worth of stuff and you can just knock on the door. We're going to talk about charity in a minute. And I think that the LDS church is very, very charitable. So I'm not implying anything other than don't expect a ton of stuff to just be sitting at your neighbor's house. That was my point with all that. And one of the ways, by the way, that the LDS character in my books was prepared without having a lot of stuff was he bought a lot of silver and he ended up using the silver very very wisely and practically and uh, all of that so that was kind of how i broke this topic in the books 10 years ago so there's that well another another i don't know if it's a myth but i'm well I'm, i think it's untrue but i don't know how widely held this is and that is this that lds members are only going to look after their own members they're going to hoard stuff and they're going to exclude others i I think it's pretty obvious that I disagree with that as a reality. What What do you say, sir? Well, I would say that you're correct in that. Um, the leader of each uh, congregation called the ward is a bishop, and he's responsible for uh, aid and relief to everybody that lives within the boundaries of uh, his ward. And likewise, the state president, which is up to like 12 wards, uh, they're responsible for everybody that's in there. And when aid and relief comes from the church, it goes to absolutely anybody that needs it. We don't discriminate in any way, shape or form. Yeah, that's pretty, pretty categorical. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew that. <laughs> I knew that answer. That's why I asked that. I'm a good lawyer. I ask questions. I already know the answer to. Right. So um, another myth out there, and it's sort of related to what you just said, is that LDS members won't cooperate with non-LDS people. They'll kind of close off. Now, I have to say, every group of people is going to naturally be more acquainted and have stronger relationships with people in that group, whatever it may be. So, of course, there's going to be a little, I mean, there's human nature and stuff. But um, what do you think about this myth that, you know, the LDS are just going to just not talk to anybody who's not a member of their church? Well, I would say that that's not true <laughs> either. Uh, you know, things differ from region to region and area to area. Uh, you might have people that are more standoffish in some parts of the country and than in others. Uh, here in North Idaho, North Washington, we still kind of consider this the the mission field, so to speak, because it's not predominantly LDS by any stretch of the imagination. And so uh, hoarding stuff, no. Um, On the one hand, I've heard some folks say, well, you know, when when, uh, the stuff hits the fan, we'll just go take what we need Mm -hmm. from the Mormons. And it's like, uh, (laughs) you need to realize one, not everybody's well prepared. Number two, if we are prepared, we're probably pretty well armed, and <laughs> ding, you ding, might ding. Re- meet some resistance there. And, and number three, if you're asking nicely, we'll probably just give it to you. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That beats a firefly yeah. every day. Well, um, and, and what does the does the term? This is me and my own probably issues, Charlie. When you hear someone, you know, because there is that misnomer out there that mis can. I think it's a mis whatever misconception uh the word hoarder when i think of that i think of the silly television show that shows what true hoarders are people who just mentally ill people that have seven thousand bags of cat litter right and 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 it's a mental illness and so I, i bucket that when i hear that preppers are referred to as hoarders i i the word prepping is a little bit more accurate. So do you have the same sort of kind of visceral response that I do? Mine isn't, you know, I'm not pulling my hair out or anything, but you know, there's a little, there's a little, little bump in my stomach and I'm like, so what do you think? Well, I think you're right on. Um, Hoarding is something that's done when things are really scarce and you're taking more than you need and preventing other people from getting their needs. 
uh, in a time of plenty, it's not hoarding, it's saving. Mm, true. Right. Well when said. you've got a job or something like that and you're putting some money away for uh, a rainy day, are you hoarding cash or are you being wise and saving? So I have a, a bad visceral response to the term hoarder mm-hmm. uh, simply from the standpoint that there's a difference between saving and times of plenty for, for uh, times of scarcity and cornering the market in times of scarcity so that you can profit from it. That's that's hoarding. Well said. Well said. We have about three minutes in this segment. And of course, we'll return in the second segment with more good stuff. But I wanted to briefly bring up this topic. And this is something where uh, uh, we may we may ask Charlie a question, but this is probably going to be more. Shelby and I talking because we had an experience Um, in a forthcoming video bonus show, which will be out to Patreon supporters at the five dollar and up level. We went to an LDS cannery and what an LDS cannery is. It says it's a cannery. It's not really a cannery. It's not like, you know, they're canning stuff there, but it's basically a store, for lack of a better term. And they have all kinds of number 10 tins full of food and, and, and prepping things. Really, really amazing place. Um, everyone out there and uh, we're, we're not LDS. They didn't even ask. They didn't even care. But um, everyone should look up and see if there's an, an LDS cannery. It may go by different terms in their area because you need to go there and just, if nothing else, buy some really good bulk food. Uh, they have all kinds of that has long term storage, long term storage. This isn't just like use it next by next week. This isn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mountain house. And so I want to just say that we went there. We had a really good experience. Um, of course, you know, nobody proselytized. Nobody, nobody even cared. I, you know, and, and just as a social matter, one of the uh, one of the members there said, oh, what church do you go to? And it was more like, where are you from? It wasn't any it was kind of it was yeah. conversational. And totally cool. So I wanted to um, mention that, and they are available to everyone. So we have about 30 seconds, Charlie. Do you have any quick thoughts? We have about two minutes, actually. Do you have any quick thoughts on uh, LDS canneries and non-LDS people being welcome there? Sure. Um, They were canneries until the Mm -hmm. Obama administration. (laughs) Um, You used to go there, and um, you could take bulk bulk food, and they had... Uh, number 10 cans and, and other materials, and you could can what you needed. Now, uh, since the FDA is all over self-sufficiency type things and they want you to be defended on the government, uh, hmm. what the church does is they, they put it all in number 10 cans and ship it to the bishop storehouses. And the way you find out about these is just get on your search bar, DuckDuckGo or Google if you're still there, and hmm. type bishop storehouse near me. And uh, you'll find something. Awesome. That's so awesome. And and we only have like 30 seconds left. But so that's exactly what we found yep. out, Charlie. And um, you gave us a little bit more in-depth explanation of it. Um, but what it's sad when government gets in the way of something like that, where um, how it was described as, you know, if you had apple trees that were just spilling over apples or you had a bumper crop of something or you could take it and imagine taking your bounty and yeah. being able to have it sealed in number 10, 10 cans that will last an amazingly long time and have it done at a, a really great price. So that's sad to see that go. Folks, we have thanks, so, Obama. Yeah, thanks, Obama. Thanks so much. You guys don't go away. We have oh, so yeah. much more. We're going to talk to Charlie about on the other side of the break. More Prepping 2.0 with authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher is coming right up. Hear all our previous shows free online at prepping2-0.com. Shelby Gallagher here. We found that you need to layer your food preps. Yeah, this is Glenn Tate here. A lot of times the hardest part of layering is the long-term foods. We love Numana foods, which have a 25-year shelf life and are non-GMO. Also, organic meals are available. Numana comes in family-style portions and in bulk. This is not backpacking food. It's family meals that last for at least 25 years. The perfect freeze-dried part of your food layering. You can get a sample of Numana meals for $19.95 and see for yourself. You will be amazed. Prepping 2.0 listeners get a 10% discount by entering the code PREP. Go to Numana.com or click the link on the Prepping 2.0 website. Give it a try. Numana.com. That is N-U-M-A-N-N-A.com. 
Abe Lincoln here. In 1773, patriots broke the chains of British tyranny by throwing tea into Boston Harbor. On that day, Americans began drinking coffee. We celebrate that event daily here at Minutemen Coffee. All men are created equal. <laughs> coffee is not. Minutemen Coffee is roasted to perfection in small batches. Bold, smooth, and never bitter. Shipped to you fresh daily. Whole bean, ground, or our patented pods. www.minutemencoffee.com when the grid goes down, darkness will descend fast. Used to be there was nothing you could do about an EMP, electromagnetic pulse, or CME, coronal mass ejection. Now you can protect your electronics, protect your family, thanks to EMP Shield. EMP Shield invented a simple to install device that prevents whatever's connected to it from frying in an EMP or CME, and it costs just a few hundred dollars. EMP Shield has been tested by independent laboratories and passed muster with the government, which has ordered lots of them. Google EMP Shield and see for yourself. And save some money. Get a $50 discount per device. Go to prepping2-o.com. Click on the Friends and Affiliates page, then click on the EMP Shield logo. At checkout, use coupon code PREPPING2.0. It's all one word. Prepping 2.0 is about that next level of prepping. One of the key 2.0 items to have is bulletproof body armor plates. I used to think body armor was too tactical for a regular guy like me, but it isn't. Give yourself, your family, and your team an unfair advantage when bullets are flying. Body armor used to be expensive and hard to get. Not anymore. KD Armor, and that stands for come and take it, makes solid and affordable body armor for normal people. Get body armor while you can. The clowns in Congress are trying to prohibit future sales. KD Armor is the place to get it. C-A-T-I-Armor.com. Prepping 2.0 listeners get a 10% discount when you use the coupon code GRANT. PrepperNet, where preppers unite. Looking to meet other like-minded people in your area? Looking to start your own prepper group? Already have a group? Join PrepperNet.com. PrepperNet has gathered the biggest names in the industry to help unite preppers everywhere. Join John Jacob Schmidt, Scott Hunt, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy, Glenn Tate, Shelby Gallagher, Charlie Hogwood, Samuel Culper, Survivor Jane, Rick Austin, Franklin Horton, Ryan Mitchell, and Brian Duff. Our team is united. Check us out at PrepperNet. PrepperNet, where preppers unite. PrepperNet.com Now, more of Prepping 2.0 with authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. Hey, welcome back everybody to segment two of Prepping 2.0. So glad to have you here. We've been talking with Charlie Brown, who is an LDS church member. This is Brown on the paper. It's Charlie Bravo. Charlie Bravo. What a dork I am. <laughs> Jeez Louise. Sorry there, Mr. Bravo. We're Snoopy. Yeah, exactly. Charlie Bravo. Thank you. <laughs> who's an LDS church member. And um, uh, I think we have a couple sponsors to mention real quickly. I would like to mention New Mana Foods. And that's N-U-M-A-N-N-A, as in manna from heaven, N-U, manna from heaven. They do bulk freeze-dried foods. Look at look it up at prepping2-0.com, friends and affiliates page. If you use the coupon code PREP, lowercase, we found out. Yes, we did. Lowercase, lowercase PREP, you get 10% off. And while we're talking about it, I should mention Backwoods Home Magazine, fantastic magazine. Uh, we subscribe to it and love it. And use the coupon code 6, the number 6, OFF. And you get $6 off a yearly subscription. Great resource. Absolutely. Great resource. Well, let's uh, come back and ask Charlie this uh, question. Charlie, the LDS, and it's Charlie Bravo, not Charlie Brown, by the way. Um, the <laughs> LDS Disaster Relief Program, is there such a thing? And tell us about it. Um, actually, yes, there is. And it's huge. Uh, the church has like 76 tier one relief centers in the CONUS in Canada. Um, these are like US. super giant Walmarts filled with relief supplies, and they are resupplied from uh, church headquarters in Salt Lake. And then there's 135 Tier 2 relief centers also scattered across the country that they get their uh, resupplies from the Tier 1 relief, set, relief centers. Um, and so, yeah, there's always a, a, major, a major church presence in virtually any disaster. Katrina was a, a big example. Um, we had a whole bunch of people just literally pack up and go there to help to distribute uh, things that people would need because of the disaster that was was ongoing there. 
And the church has these uh, joint distribution agreements or memorandums of understanding with the Salvation Army and the Red Cross. And even with FEMA, depending on circumstances, uh, church prefers to work through other faith-based organizations or uh, to do the distribution itself outside of the country uh, to avoid the corruption that sometimes comes in there. But uh, overseas, presumably helping hands, the yellow shirts, that type of thing. Yeah. And this is this is a a massive effort. Tell tell us, I mean, roughly, you know, how many how many LDS church members are involved with this stuff? Not like specific numbers, but is this a thing that a lot of church members participate in? Or is this something that only a few of them do? How widespread is the disaster relief uh, mission and participation in the church? You know, I can't really speak to that in terms of numbers. I know that the response is always big and that there are people that are just ready to go. Uh, it's it's entirely volunteer. Uh, hmm. So that, that's a hard one for me to speak to there. Right. Mm-hmm. I just okay. think that's amazing. You know, one thing I was thinking of as I visualize what it would be like to have a whole bunch of people from any organization uh, working together on disaster relief materials. And these are pr- primarily, I'm guessing, going to be natural disasters, because if there's uh, a without rule of law situation, um, I don't see this, you know, being a, the kind of scenario that it would be safe to go respond to. But when you've got constant practice, I guess, for lack of a better term, during natural disasters, um, you're going to have incredible organizational uh, abilities. You're going to have just practice and experience at it. It's going to be a common thing. The reason I bring that up is if you as a church member have been to, you know, five hurricanes or something like that, when there's uh, a non-natural disaster, a man-made natural disaster in your area, it's going to be really easy for that organization to simply do what it's been doing in the past and help in that kind of situation. Does that make sense? Am I on to something? Oh, yes. In fact, uh, this very this next Saturday, we're having a regional training meeting for uh, the emergency communications group where we're going to go and talk to uh, the regional representative for the ECS program. That's emergency communication system. And we'll talk about, you know, how you set up a command post and uh, how you, you go about responding and, and getting information uh, and routing aid and relief to the people that need it. So uh, one of the things we'll be talking about is uh, this big exercise that we had that was kind of along the lines of the Cascadia subduction quake. And so in a day's time, we were trying to contact as many people as possible uh, and report stats and status just as a big comms exercise. Hmm. And there were things that went well with that. There were some things that went not so well. And uh, I guess we'll get an earful about how things worked. I shouldn't say an earful, but we'll get uh, an opportunity to talk about those things and, and how those things go. You know, we're going to talk about the LDS comm system uh, next question, but I wanted to emphasize something. I'm sitting here thinking about this. This always happens, Shelby, on the show. We're, we're listening to guests, and they say things, and you and I get ideas, and we get, we connect dots, and we do it on the air live, and hopefully it's not annoying. But it seems to me that uh, as a non-LDS guy, if there's an organization out there that has practiced over and over again large-scale exercises and has got this down – has got a call tree, whatever you want to call it. They call people up and people go where they need to be and they've got their their admin kit, they've got their clipboard, they know exactly what to do. These are folks that I want to be aligned with. I want to be, I, I need to know the capabilities of people around me. That's, I guess, the point I'm making. I need to know, it's just as a, as a prepper, I need to know the capabilities of the good guys around me. I also need to know the capabilities of the bad guys. I need to know if they're motorcycle gangs, for example. Well, you know what? I also need to know if there's an entity out there consisting of apparently some of my neighbors who might be really, really good at this disaster relief thing, that would be really good to know. So I think it's good for folks, non-LDS members, to get to know 
you know, this this part of of their community and this amazing set of skills and practice. I mean, skills are one thing and webinars are one thing, but going and doing it and being comfortable doing it. Especially comms. Yeah. And that's a great segue. Yeah. Tell us, tell us, Charlie, about the uh, uh, I'll just call it. I'm sure it's got a real name, but the LDS comm system, because. Uh, LDS Church is famous for having tons of comms capabilities. So what's the deal with that? Well, um, you're right about that. The top floor of the church office building in uh, Salt Lake is completely devoted to ham radio and emergency comms, as is a large comms center at uh, Welfare Square. So... They reach out every Tuesday night. Uh, there's HF Nets, where the church headquarters reaches out to all the Tier One facilities to get, you know, just comms checks there. And, and we have a uh, a weekly emergency communications net every Sunday night in this region. Uh, wards and the stakes in the area go through their uh, communications nets throughout the week. And then uh, the net controls for those report in their numbers to uh, the stake reps and the stake reps report to the regional rep. And you can find out, well, you can hear about that in in this area in the Pacific Northwest because it happens, uh, the regional net happens every Sunday night at uh, 2115 on the Kabara repeater net. Uh, But I also want to, you know, when we talk about emergency comms, I want to put out a, a big plug for the American Readout Radio Operators Network. Yes, absolutely. That's by John Jacob Schmidt, who is a, a dear friend. Um, I I have only been involved in the ECS program for a few, you know, two three years, and when I got involved in that, I was also getting involved in Amron, and the two just marry together so beautifully that uh, I encourage people. To, to be part of the Amron community for news and information and mm-hmm. intelligence. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about where the bad guys are? The Amron's probably the place where, where you want to be on that uh, because you've got radio operators all, all over the country who are going to be, who are uh, reporting on their experiences and, and things that are going on. And there's, for people that aren't licensed hams, there's the uh, unlicensed family radio service and uh, networks and uh, the Channel 3 project. And and to tell you the truth, um, I got involved in the Amron Channel 3 project and we started a neighborhood net. And uh, then I kind of started pushing John Jacobs' idea there into the church's ECS program uh, into this area. And we got into having all these subnets. And for example, just last Wednesday, we had this big windstorm and a lot of people lost power. Fortunately, our neighborhood didn't, but we had a bunch of trees down. I activated the radio net. Everybody chimed in and checked in. And, you know, I'm, I'm working on talking to folks on the radio and other folks are grabbing their, uh, their chainsaws and heading out to the roads and clearing the down trees off the roads. Hmm. You know, it's, it's just... Coming together as a neighborhood, uh, you know, in your books, you've got uh, you've got the team mm-hmm. that you met at the gun store and, mm-hmm. and that type of thing. And well, our team is everybody that lives within two miles of us about and not every, you know, you've got the whole gamut of different types of people there. But you. You go out and you do things uh, uh, for service to your local neighborhood, like putting together a phone tree or, or something, and, and maybe we can push that to later so I don't go too long in that. But you, you got to develop your, your community, and you can't always choose who's there. Uh, so you have to develop and bloom where you're planted. That's a good way to put it. Mm-hmm. 
Exactly. So let me jump in here before we switch gears. I want to mention uh, a couple more of our awesome sponsors. Yeah. The Minute- list is getting longer. Oh, it's great. Thank you to all of those. Yeah. And please support them. This, yeah. These are trying times. So uh, Minutemen Coffee. Mm. Um, love, had a nice big pot of that oh, stuff my this goodness. morning. So good. Um, go to, again, go to our website, prepping2-0.com, friends and affiliates. There's a picture. There's a graphic right there. All of the graphics there, by the way, are hyperlinks. So if you just push on a graphic it'll take you to the website uh, if you use the coupon code I Miss America you get 15% off your order the other one is Katie Armour yeah awesome folks there C-A-T-I as in come and take it armor that's the name of the company come and take it armor and they have a body armor a steel with spall coating it is it is affordable body armor. It's a little bit heavier, but it's very affordable. And most of you guys are not going to be, you know, doing a hundred pound ruck through uh, the Khyber Pass in Afghanistan. That's at a 10,000 foot elevation. So steel body armor is going to work for what you do. And you can use the coupon code grant to get 10% off a word about Katie armor. They are back ordered and it's taken them a while to fulfill orders because everybody and their dog is buying body armor. It's and by been the way, a little crazy. And we'll be talking about that here. By in a moment. the way, under the Biden administration would not be surprised if body armor became illegal. So you might want to get it now. Think about it. So we were talking about communications and the, the LDS comm system. Anything else to add to that, uh, Charlie? Because I think this is just like the disaster relief stuff. This is another example of an organization being organized and practicing and doing this stuff and being comfortable with doing it. And if I may say, an organization that's well organized that would be a great asset or an ally or whatever word you want to use in a disaster. So tell us more about the comms system. Okay, well, thanks. Um, the comms system is you know, working well in some areas and not quite so well in others. Uh, you can participate in that net uh, without being a member of the church. You can be a major player in that net. For example, uh, I'm net control for uh, two units and in my immediate area and i have a neighbor who's a new ham uh who often runs pitch hit for me as net control and he's not a member of the church uh, but he does a great job and we, we have lots of people <laughs> that are participating in these nets that are not uh latter-day saints and if you want awesome. to find out about a net that may be going on in your area go to uh, your search bar on your uh, web page and type in uh, Bishop Storehouses near me and then contact uh, there, there'll be a phone number on that web page you contact uh, the director and ask who their emergency communication specialist is and that person will be able to tell you uh, frequencies and, and times and what kind of nets are going on in that area and how to become involved so I'm going to jump in here, and this is because um, I know there's the whole world of newbies out there and the whole world of ham. Just for those who are listening, I know there's probably several going, what's a net? Just mm. can someone give the quick vernacular? What is vern- I know what it means. You know what it means. Glenn knows what it means. What's a net? It's a network, right? Well, yes. Um, and it's kind of a, what would we call it, uh, a directed net? Mm-hmm. It's, you know, kind of like your parliamentarian, you're having a meeting on the radio and oh, there's a whole bunch of people there. The net control operator is the one that's moderating, moderating the conversation and uh, directing the business of the net. And yeah. so a net is the number of people that are communicating on this open channel. Let's, you're talking a radio frequency, only one person can talk at a time. And so you have to take turns and you have to have uh, protocols about how information is is passed back and forth in order to do it efficiently. Uh, You need to learn things like the phonetic alphabet Mm -hmm. uh, so that you can pass information accurately. Uh, Again, like in my neighborhood, we have uh, a couple of people that are ham radio operators, but most of the people uh, are on their little FRS walkie talkies. And so we talk to them or I talk to them, you know, on the uh, 
FRS channels and relay information uh, back and forth. And then I get on the ham net in order to coordinate hmm. whatever relief and, and uh, support efforts might be needed for, you know, the uh, neighborhood net or likewise uh, talking to other hams in other areas uh, that in in the church that I can't reach with the FRS radio, but they can. So you have to have, you have to establish these little local neighborhood communication cells or networks and somebody that's there that can communicate uh, long range, usually a, a person with a ham radio. Yeah, and here's another um, advantage to, and this is for non-LDS church members. I guess it applies to LDS church members too. Let's say you're a non-LDS church member and you're kind of new to ham radio. And at some point, and this isn't going to turn into the ham radio show, but at some point when you're learning about ham radio, especially if you're setting up um, certain kinds of radios and antennas, you really need someone to help you who's done it before, someone who's experienced. And I can't think of a better group to call up and say, hey, I'm going to be setting up you know, a ham radio uh, antenna and system, and I'd like some help with some people who know what they're talking about. Can you guys come over and help? And they're going to come over and help, and they're not going to get into religious discussions with you. So, I mean, consider this like a knowledge uh, database, a knowledge asset, and that would be something that I think would be of great practical help to a lot of people. Well, I, if if there's nothing else to add to that, uh, Charlie, I'd like to turn to another topic. And you brought this up on a phone call we had last night, and I thought this was fascinating. It has nothing to do with the LDS Church, has nothing to do with any of that stuff, but I thought it was fascinating, and that is this. Blue staters who are, as we know, <laughs> fleeing in droves to red states, and you mentioned um, an example of somebody you know in your red state of, you know, Idaho, who came from a blue state from the Midwest. And some of the adjustments and some of the concerns and thoughts that this person had. And I wanted you just to tell the story and, and describe this topic, because I think a lot of people out there that are either moving or thinking about moving are going to get quite a bit out of this. So take it away, Mr. Bravo. Yeah, this was... Um this was a very interesting thing, and, and you know, it's an ongoing process. Actually, this person, you know, moved to our neighborhood from the Midwest, and they were originally surrounded by a lot of blue people. So they had to keep mum about their prepping uh, efforts and that type of thing. Is very, very close hold type thing, and once you get into you know, out of that outside the wire situation to an area where people are more like mind, then you have to kind of open up <laughs> a bit. The OPSEC's always important, uh, operational security, but at the same time, nobody's an island. We can't do this by ourselves. Uh, you can't have one small family running 24-hour security, uh, property security operations, doing the, the farm work, taking care of the animals, doing the cooking, managing the food, all those different things that uh, you talked about with uh, that fellow a couple of shows ago, uh, your mutual assistance group uh, activity oh. list. or yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. The roles for a, a bug out location or a base camp, all the different jobs and roles. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so to be, you know, to become a sustainable community in in the event of a um, a prolonged collapse, SHTF scenario, you've got to have the goodwill and help of others in the community. So, there's that learning who you can who you can trust and talk to, and uh, opening up a little bit and becoming more uh, involved in helping one another out. Uh, basically, it comes down to, you know, I mentioned this once before, you're building your community. And when you have a neighborhood of, of people within a couple miles of you that you're working with, not everybody's going to be of the same faith. 
And so what we have to do is focus on the wonderful things that we do have in common. You know, we believe in Christ, we believe in the Bible, we believe the first great commandment is to love God, and the second great commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. And so you got to learn to be the Good Samaritan mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, uh, help bear one another's burdens, uh, comfort those that stand in need of comfort, mourn with those that mourn. And stand as a, a witness of the love of God in all times and all places. Hmm. So it's, you know, it's it's just in some places in the country right now outside the wire, you'll be terribly persecuted for your beliefs and prepping or even in believing in Christ. Uh, you move into this area, in our area, there's a lot more commonality that's that's recognized and we need to focus on that commonality we need to learn to uh, love one another as as best we can and uh, and take care of one another so the big big paradigm shift going from where you're living in a place where you're scared of your neighbor to a place where your uh, your other neighbors are they're looking out for you mm-hmm Hard to build, it's hard to shift gears. I know I felt that when I moved out of Portland to a more rural, conservative-ish area, that I could uh, everything changed. I, I could I could talk about yeah. I could talk about my, going to church. I could talk about yeah, and you're not so yeah. And so imagine now when you think about what you've seen in the headlines in the last few weeks, in the last few days, if you did live in a big city where it's super deep blue. And you are a prepper. It's yeah. It's like you you are silent and you keep your mouth closed. So what are your I'd like thoughts? To, I'd like to make a suggestion to folks out there that are in deep blue areas or just regular blue areas. Um, go take a trip. Yes. You need to experience this, and this is hard to put into words. Um, Charlie Bravo's done a nice job of it, but you need to go to a red place. And, and just breathe the air and feel the freedom and, and experience what we're talking about because, and there's a danger to this, because once you go, you'll even stay. for like a long weekend, <laughs> you'll want to stay and you'll sit there and you'll, you'll look at things differently and you realize the lack of freedom you have in the blue areas and the abundance of freedom in the red areas. So take a little what? trip. What? And you won't die of COVID and either. No, and you won't. So I'm gonna um, I'm gonna let folks know that in the after show we're gonna be talking to Charlie Bravo about his experience going to the Capitol on January 6th. But before that, that'll be in the after show. Please listen to the after show for Patreons. Um, and then Shelby can wrap up this regular show, and we'll go into the after show for you folks yep. who are able to do so. Folks, as we always like to say every week, from one of our great founding fathers, Benjamin Franklin, failing to prepare is preparing to fail. Have a great week, everyone. You've been listening to Prepping 2.0 with authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. All the information you've heard today, including all our previous shows, is online at prepping2-0.com. Find out more about Glenn's books at 299days.com and Shelby's books at agreatstate.com. Until next time, be smart, be safe, and be prepared.